Welcome to Desire Made Real, a Discovery of Witches podcast where we recap every episode of the television show spoiler free. I'm one of your hosts, Mandy Kay, and when I'm not talking about Matthew and Diana, uh, let's be real, I'm always watching Matthew and Diana, so it's just a Discovery of Witches life for me. And I'm Caitlin, and when I'm not talking about a Discovery of Witches, I'm, well, at least this week, finally getting my hair done after almost a full year, and it's wonderful, and I feel like myself again. Okay, now that's really exciting. Yes, it's it's purple again instead of brown, and I'm like, ah, I'm me. I understand that feeling. I dyed my hair teal for my wedding, Mm -hmm. and even my mom was like, okay, yeah, no, that's you. I forgot what you looked like. Yeah. (laughs) So I totally get it. So uh, here on the podcast each week, we'll recap the episode spoiler-free. We'll also include a segment at the end to discuss the books, how well the adaptation works, and we will likely dive into some spoilers here, but don't worry, we'll give you plenty of warning before we get there. Episode 6 was written by Pete McTie and directed by, shit, Jonathan Teplitsky. That's what I would say, Teplitsky. And which is, I mean, they do a great job, but if I could have picked one episode this season to be written and directed by a woman, it would have been this one. So there's that. Yeah, it it makes sense that this one was written by Pete McTie because he did episode 5 and episode 5 and 6 are basically one episode, like you said last week. Mm Mm-hmm. But it is weird they switched up the director between the two. So they probably could have switched up the writers as well. Well, it is what it is. I mean, it was still a really good episode. I mean, last week I said that episode five was my least favorite of the season so far. Mm -hmm. Episode six is hands down my favorite of the season so far. That is, from what I have gleaned from social media... True across the board for people. Yeah. It is, I think, the episode we've all been waiting for. Um, I have a few thoughts to say about it and how it relates to the book once we get to the book section later on. But taking it at face value for what it is in the TV show Mm -hmm. is just amazing. Okay, let's jump in. Right. So we start with one of my favorite changes that they made to the book, Diana Rowing, which never happens after book one in the books. And I Mm -hmm. love that they threw it in here as like something that she did as a a stress relief. Especially in 1590. Yeah. Like you wouldn't expect to see Diana rowing, but she is. She's in her full dress, her heavy feminine dress that she is forced to wear because Mm -hmm. of the times. (laughs) And she's rowing. It's fantastic. I think that this, like it's just this small little throwaway thing almost, but I think it's my favorite thing that they've added. Mm. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's my favorite change because there's other changes that make sense. But like this is like a brand new thing that they put in that I just Uh it's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely good. Um, And I I like that they open with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, because this episode is an immediate continuation from last week. So right after the open, we do jump backwards a few minutes, an hour or so or whatever to right after she killed uh, the witch that she killed at the end of last week. And so we we get to see that confrontation between Matthew and Philippe and Diana, but then Diana just like goes in rows. And so I like that we open with that so mm-hmm. that we're immediately seeing her stress relief after this traumatic experience that she just went through. Yeah. And back with, with the three of them and the dead body, I, well, first of all, I enjoy, I just enjoy any time we come across a new scene from the opening credits and it's like, oh yeah. There it is. And the mm-hmm. scene where Matthew takes the knife out of her hand yeah, is in the opening credits. Um, 
And I love that Philippe just has people ready to remove a dead body. <laughs> it's true. They just walk in. All we see are their feet. We don't have any idea who it was, but they're just there to take the body out and do something with it. Who knows what? I assume dinner? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's terrible. Maybe, but Maybe. they're vampires. <laughs> they can't let all that blood go to waste. Yeah. Um, this first scene is also where we get the payoff to the thing I was questioning last week. Yes. Like, why all of a sudden did Diana decide to put the ring on? And it's for this scene because Philippe notices the ring on her finger and demands to know where she got it. Um, and ultimately, he realizes that if Isabeau has given Diana the ring, he must be dead in the future. Yeah. I don't remember if I talked about this in the main episode or the spoiler section last week, but that scene is literally there to remind the viewer that the ring exists. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, but I actually really love the scene, the whole confrontation between the three of them, Diana yelling at Philippe that she will not be tested, and then once Philippe realizes that he's dead in the future, Matthew does his the first of many very good whisper acting that he has in this episode and in the whole series where he's like, you know, not everyone is truly immortal. Not even Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. It's good. There's a lot of face acting in this one too. This whole episode I think is the epitome of Matthew Good's fabulous face acting. Yeah. But James Purefoy has some good moments too. And this is one of them. Very true. To the whisper acting thing, I think Matthew Good has control over his voice that I rarely see in an actor, and I like seeing him use that in this. Like, because having good acting while you're whispering and getting the nuances across the way he does is just so good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This, I feel like every episode just elevates Matthew Good's ability. Mm-hmm. Like, it showcases and elevates what he can do with his voice, with his face, with his body, just everything. Yes, I agree. And speaking of which, we just recently had confirmation on Twitter from Farron Blackburn, our favorite name, that all the growling that Matthew does is just, that's just Matthew Good. They didn't fix that in post. Really? Yeah, all the, that's just him. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Because, gosh, this episode in particular... Yeah, and there's more coming. I was sure that they had done some special effects too, but apparently it's just Matthew Good. Mm. Matthew Good is so good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So then we we cut back to Diana rowing, and Matthew is calling to her to get her to come in. And I really love this. It's a tiny little scene, but Matthew calls for her and says, you can't keep shutting me out. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is such an interesting callback to what Diana has previously said to Matthew. Yes. And I like that they flipped it and that Matthew has accepted it enough to recognize that it's a two-way street. Yep. I it's find fantastic. I do that well a lot in this episode, like call back to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good. And then we have a, a line that I, I'm really curious about your take on it because mm-hmm. we don't really seem to come back to it in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we do in the future. But Diana is concerned about what she's becoming. Like, we go through the whole spiel of she knows she had to kill him. If she hadn't, he would have taken her memories, blah, blah, blah. But then she says the thing about it is I wanted to kill him. And so she's wondering 
what she's becoming. It's interesting that you bring this up because my actual note here is, I don't know if I like this line because as far as I remember, I don't think it's ever addressed again. Okay. Yeah, because it it just seems so strange. Like, it seems like it's setting something up, but they certainly don't come back to it in this episode. I, you know, I don't think they, no, I don't think they ever really do come back to it. I mean, you could argue there is a scene later where I feel like we get the beginning of Diana, like, sorry, a scene in this episode, so I'll talk about it more when we get to it, but where we get to the beginning of Diana accepting and being almost excited about who and what she is. Mm -hmm. So maybe that, but they don't do a good job with it. Okay. Yeah. And then we cut to the opening credits, which do open with the scene from season one of her rowing, which I love cutting to that right after we were just having her row here. It was great. And then we have like this quick, okay, first of all, I'm going to say most of my notes are just describing a scene and then saying it's so good. So (laughs) I'm sorry if I get very repetitive this episode, but everything was really good, this one. Um, It was. Oh my God, so good. So we, we cut to Philippe writing a letter or starting to attempt to write a letter to Isabeau. And we get this idea of him having to come to terms with his own mortality. Mm-hmm. And then they do this great thing where they cut across the centuries to Isabeau and then immediately cut back to Philippe. And it really is just such a good job of showing their connection even after he's gone. And I mm-hmm. love it so much. It was such a good... Because we have a whole scene with Isabeau. But before we start that scene, we cut back and forth between the two of them and just show Mm -hmm. them thinking about each other. And I love it so much. Yeah, they do that a couple of times in this episode. And it's usually grounded in Philippe's ring Mm -hmm. because Philippe is wearing his ring while he's alive, obviously. And in present day, he is no longer there. So Isabeau is wearing his ring. And they both kind of go to the ring as, what am I looking for? As a comfort? I guess. As a reminder of each other? Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. know that Philippe uses it as a reminder of Isabeau because un- unless she gave it to him and I'm just forgetting. But it's just, it was interesting because they would focus in on uh, Philippe fiddling with yeah. it and, and like thinking and all of that. And then we would cut to Isabeau's hand because she's wearing the ring. And then they go to their faces and exactly like you're saying, they cut back and forth. And it's, it's beautiful. I love them. And I love that scene. Yeah. The one at the end gets me a little bit more than this one does, but... I I love the whole... I love how they worked in this arc for Isabeau within mm-hmm. this episode, and it's it's really nicely done. And I never feel like the, the quick modern-day scenes are taking away from what's happening in 1590. And yeah, so, not at all in yeah. this one. So I, I really like that. So as a result of these, we do cut to the present day. Mm-hmm. And we get, I think, what may be one of my favorite lines from the entire episode. <laughs> the witches. Um, are, yeah. There's something wrong with the witches. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and fantastic. then you just sort of cut to them feeling the air. Yeah. They're just walking around Philippe's office feeling the air. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's great. It's great. Um, but that does lead us to kind of the momentum of the present day storyline um they have felt some new strange vibration that's centered in philippe's office primarily around his books and isabel realizes 
Philippe loved to leave messages in the books. And so maybe something has happened in the past that has now affected the future and there's a new message for her. Or the message was always there and she just didn't know to look for it. Well, yes. But now she knows. Yeah. So it's it's fantastic. I love the way with the the cuts back and forth between the two different times, they make it seem like time is moving at the same time. Yeah. If that makes sense? Yes. Um, it's something they do a lot in Outlander as well. Um, but it's two completely different time periods, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like exactly like you said, that, that note was in that book for 500 years, but it wasn't. Yeah. But it was. It's, it's awesome. It's brain killing. I, I like how they're doing that from like a, a aesthetic point of view but and, and a, a storyline point of view. But also I like it because I remember in the book thinking, why can't Matthew and Diana just go back to right after when they left? Mm-hmm. And I still kind of have that question. But having seen the story progress, you understand that we can't go back on that story, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I like that they show it from that perspective, too, because we didn't get nearly as much modern day stuff in the book. And I always just thought, but why wouldn't it? It's time travel. They could just show up wherever they want. Yeah. Yeah. You would think. But time is passing in both places. So it, it makes sense. If you think about it too hard, it doesn't. But on the surface, it absolutely makes sense. And I enjoy it. Don't worry. I have more time travel questions for when we get to the end of this season that are really going to be like, but why? Because it's timey-wimey, okay? It's timey-wimey. Anyway, so then Philippe kind of gives up on coming to terms with his own mortality and instead decides to have a fight. But before that, (laughs) he looks out over the courtyard and once again, I just want to point out, still only black horses, because Philippe sure knows how to stick to an aesthetic. Right? <laughs> I noticed that much more in this episode since you pointed it out last time. Yeah. When you watch an episode one million times, you really get to notice those small details. Um, <laughs> Philippe looking down at Matthew and then grabbing the swords, like the looks on his face, like just that whole bit. It's like two seconds, but it's fabulous. Mm-hmm. He's just like, ugh, look at Matthew. Wait, swords. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's interesting because there's a lot going on with this scene and, and with this fight and kind of what's going on. Um, and I think it takes, it, it needs a couple of watches to really kind of dig into it. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we do that for this podcast. Yeah. Um, not because ju- I mean, it, like, not just for our own, like, I wouldn't, I definitely would not have watched this episode five times if I wasn't doing a podcast. Absolutely. Oh, of course yeah. not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, because, I mean, at first glance, it can seem kind of weird. Why is Philippe just suddenly going after his son with swords, right? Like, what is happening here? But there are so many things going on because, you know, he was just writing, trying to write to Isabel, could mm-hmm. not find the words. And then one of the first things that he says to Matthew is about Diana. He doesn't understand how Isabeau has changed so much. How can the woman who is right now in his time, his Isabeau, is fighting witches, hunting witches, how does she change so much that in the future she embraces a witch as her daughter? He doesn't understand. And thus begins the fight because Philippe just has all of this pent-up conflict an emotion trying to deal with this. Yeah, it, it's good. And I also like, like you say that 
well, there's potential at any rate for the sword fight to come out of nowhere. But again, the acting is so good. Like when Philippe is on the stairs and he kind of makes the swords twang or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you immediately cut to Matthew's face. And it's very clearly a not again. Oh, yeah. No, Matthew absolutely knows as soon as he realizes that. Philippe has the swords. Yeah. Um, but I think the the coming out of nowhere bit is Philippe picking up the swords. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, if you don't understand his frame of mind, which you don't entirely understand until you get to the fight, it's, right? Yeah, because okay. here in the fight, he questions it. And then and then you see he's realizing and grappling with the idea that part of why Isabeau changed is that Philippe wasn't there for her. Mm-hmm. Like, so he starts to demand, how long have I been dead? How long has Isabeau been left alone? Why did you leave her alone to come back to the past, right? Everything suddenly for him is wrapped up in Isabeau. It's beautiful. It's terrifying. There's just so much happening. It's really good. And, um, Ma- okay, well, as an aside, Matthew's saying that Baldwin would look after her. Like, nobody has any faith in Baldwin, Matthew. Don't lie. <laughs> But does Philippe have faith in Baldwin, though? I mean, because ba- I mean, Baldwin is Philippe's son, right? It's ba- true. Philippe turned Baldwin. I don't know. I've been reading Times Convert recently, and somebody literally has a line that's like, I think it's Isabeau who says, I have no idea why Philippe chose him. So. <laughs> yeah, none of us do. Yeah. And like, Baldwin never stops being an asshole. So I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, no, back to back to the fight. Like yeah. Philippe keeps pushing this question. How did I die? How long have I been dead? How long has Isabeau been alone? Matthew refuses to answer. And so Philippe starts looking for other ways to poke at Matthew. Yes. You know, pushing him, asking him, what happened to my Matthew? You're different. And ugh, this fight, Matt, God, the way that Matthew responds, the way that he growls in this scene, mm-hmm. that he stepped out of that Matthew shadow, he's not a pawn anymore. It's, I never would have realized that that was his own voice. It is. And also, I just want to say the music during this bit, so good, really fabulous. And the extras, they're just acting their heart out. It's great. <laughs> if you... Once you watch it like your 10th time, you'll really notice like the lady in the back clasping her chest and oh, it's so good. I love them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love that you notice all of these things. Yeah. I literally wrote down being an extra for this fight must have been fun. Yeah. But yes. And then I guess this is like our first hint that Philippe likes Matthew to be a little bit crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. First hint. We definitely get more explicit yeah um confirmation of that later on but he definitely he thinks that i guess matthew has been neutered almost like he's not and and this is the same theme that we've seen from other people right Mm -hmm. kit talking about how different he is gallo glass talking about how different he is and and just noticing that our matthew and the actual matthew from 1590 are so like miles apart from each other and it's nice to have Philippe call him on it and to push him on it yeah I like that because everybody else just kind of is like well I think I like this Matthew well Kit doesn't but you know (laughs) most people are like this gentler Matthew is better but Philippe's like nah man I want my son (laughs) yeah it's an interesting perspective and I was thinking about this because I'm like well the world is really different now and Philippe would have no way of knowing that but I'm like I don't know people are still like, you could still be a ruthless 
I wouldn't mm-hmm. say asshole because I think past Matthew wasn't ever an asshole. He was just ruthless and not maybe not as in control of his blood rage, which we'll get to. But I don't know. I would I would be really curious to see what a modern day Philippe would make of modern day Matthew. But obviously we we can't get that. Yeah. Yeah. Then we we cut away from the fight, which I dislike because it interrupts the flow and the momentum of the fight. But we need the scene, I guess, for actually we don't need the scene. I don't know why it's there. But no, I actually hate the scene for a lot of reasons. There's so much um, attention put on Isabeau hating witches. Like she's hunting witches for fun as far as we know. Like Mm -hmm. in the book. It was different. I, I I don't need to get into details, I suppose. But there was reasons that Isabeau was not a big fan of witches. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even then, she didn't hunt them down just to murder them for fun. Like, what is this scene? What is What are they saying about Isabeau here? Like, it's weird. They're just trying, because they've ha- because it's an adaptation and they've had to change so much, I think they're just trying to really nail down and make sure the audience is aware and that Philippe is aware of just how much Isabeau has changed to I- go from someone who did haunt witches at one point to accepting Diana. But they really kind of hammer us over the head with it. And I think they go too far. Like, I think they make her too evil because she's just murdering people for yeah. no reason. Th- yeah, yeah. They they do that here with the map. Yeah. Um, and I find it interesting that Diana essentially changes possibly the course of history a little bit because she alters the map so that none of the covens are marked where they actually are. Well, again, or it was always that way on... Time travel. Yeah. Who knows? Back to the sword fight. Back to the sword fight. And Philippe is properly besting Matthew in this fight. I do like that. I do wish Matthew had lost control more. Mm-hmm. Like it just gone, like, because that was sort of, I think that's how it sort of played out in the book, but that's what Philippe wants here. He wants him to give in to the rage and lose control. And they kind of show it, but I wish it had been more. Yeah, I I think if it had been more, he wouldn't have been able to still continue to deny Philippe's request. If he had lost complete control, he wouldn't have been able to say no. Well, they could have just had him unable to talk at all. Okay, that's kind of fair. be like a monster. That's fair. Also, Philippe says the word vampire here, and I don't know, all my Googling says it doesn't exist yet. So that's weird to me. Yeah, but it's a TV show about a vampire, so. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and even though we've heard the word where, it's still such an unfamiliar word that I, it makes sense that the writers would choose to do that. It does. And I guess we can just headcanon that maybe they're actually speaking Latin and it's just being translated for us. Yeah. Um, So then Philippe sort of pins Matthew to a table and Matthew gets all growly and out of control. And then they have this conversation here. And Matthew says, I cannot tell you a couple times. And then at the end, he says something else. And I have no idea what he says. And I listened to it like five times with my headphones on. And I I just have no idea what he says there. And it's bothering me. Is Is it what Philippe says? No. Matthew says, I cannot tell you a couple times. And then... He says something else, and then Philippe says, "Then the con- then your conscience has the better of me." Oh, I thought he just said, "I can't tell you." I didn't realize he said something. Else. I swear, there's something else there. Because my note just says, um, "Even in blood rage, Matthew won't tell him." Well, if anybody knows, by the time this is out, we could watch with closed captioning on, and I can figure it out. But yeah, 
I actually, there were a few places that I wanted closed captioning. And so I was like, oh, Sundance is on Amazon. I can just go look. And then I got there and there are only three episodes there. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, it's coming out week by week here. (laughs) So um, we'll have to do another full rewatch with closed captioning on before we do our wrap up episode. (laughs) Yeah. I actually even meant to say when we finished, when we were at the end of last week that I recommended watching this episode with headphones, with like good quality headphones because of all the, the whispering in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, good call. Um, Somewhere in the middle of all of this, Diana arrived. Mm -hmm. Um, She realized there was a fight going on and she shows up. And um, while Philippe has Matthew basically pinned to the table, he tells Diana about blood rage. And I believe this is the first time Diana's ever heard of blood rage. Yes. Yes, I believe so. Yes. And so Philippe finally lets him go. Um, because Matthew won't tell him even in his blood rage. And so Philippe is like, well, then your conscience has the better of me. He leaves. Um, Matthew is hurt, but also ashamed that Diana saw him lose control. But I love that he's so openly vulnerable with her Mm -hmm. in this moment. Like Matthew from season one would not have done this. Yes. Like he doesn't try to hide who he is. He talks to her about it. He tells her he's embarrassed. Mm Mm-hmm. But he tells her. And and he's, this is when he mentions that this is why we can never be truly mated. Yeah. Which I love the idea that Matthew is this 1,500-year-old person who still is like, instead of dealing with this problem, I'm just going to ignore it. Because <laughs> yeah. that, just, that just feels very human to me. Yeah. You know, like, um, Diana won't ever ask why we can't have sex. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, the look on her face is amazing here. Um, But real quick, before we get to to her response, uh, this is also the moment we find out why Matthew is essentially studying blood. Like all of the stuff that we were going through in season one with the science and why he's studying what he's studying, he's looking for a cure for blood rage. Yes. And I think that's one of the things you and I talked about last season. We were disappointed that they never mentioned blood rage Mm -hmm. because it drives who Matthew is. even to his profession in the world, right? And they never mentioned it. So it's a seemingly throwaway line here. Yes. But he's looking for a cure for blood rage. That's important. That's like super important character information to know. It was and such we a got throwaway it. line that I I like forgot that, oh. that how important it was until you just yeah. started bringing it up now. I'm like, oh yeah, that is super important. Yeah. My note about that line is... Truly ridiculous in in the great tradition of Caitlin's ridiculous notes. Um, in that I was like, I, I just love the idea of somebody like flipping through channels or something and coming across a time period sword fight, you know, and being like, oh, this looks interesting. But then suddenly somebody starts talking about genetics. <laughs> <laughs> like it would be so confusing if you were coming into it blind. Right. Um, yeah. And then we get Diana's response to all of Matthew's vulnerability. She is... As we have seen this season, having none of it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny because I, I watched this line a couple of times because my uh, screeners kept buffering for some reason. I was struggling. And so it would like pause in the middle of this line and I'd have to restart it. And so I kept getting through it. But her voice is just so grave mm-hmm. and like somber. And she says, do you really think I would ever walk away from you, my love? And it's like, I get it. But it's such a weird connotation to express my love, right? Like you just don't expect to hear it with that 
tone and gravity and seriousness that she's giving him right here. And she starts the line off by calling him darling, which is, I just don't feel like those rolled off her tongue very well, you Mm know? I don't think we ever see her call him either of those things again. No, they don't use, like, pet names very much. Yeah. Like, Matthew will call her, like, He'll tell her she's beautiful or something like that, but there's not a lot of pet names. Well, I guess Matthew uses pet names because he calls her, I don't want to say the French because it's going to sound weird, but he calls her my heart in French. Oh, yeah, he does. But Diana doesn't really. Yeah. And it it was a weird place to put them, Mm -hmm. I thought, personally. I did. I thought it was weird, too, but it it fits into... A broader change in Diana that we're seizing, seeing the season that I wanted to talk about later in the episode. Okay. So we'll get there. I now have like an essay almost written about this next scene between Diana and Philippe. So let's, okay. let's do it. I didn't even realize how many. This is the only episode where I've had to like pause it while taking notes to have time to write down everything that I wanted to write down. Yeah. Um, well, real quick before we jump in there. Oh, just okay. Yep. To, to remind folks why Diana goes to confront Philippe, it's because while Matthew is being vulnerable, he explains that oh, Philippe yeah. uses the, the blood rage. Like, that's why Philippe pushes his buttons. Philippe used it to turn him into an assassin. An assassin against other vampires with blood rage. I love Philippe because he is so... Because everybody admires him, but he is so flawed. He is. And I love that about him. Yeah. So then Diana goes to confront Philippe. So why don't you tell us all about your essay? Okay. So first of all, she barges in yelling and you see him roll his eyes. And that's really good. <laughs> yep. And He expected it. Yeah. He knew she was going to come. It's so good. And she's just yelling about how could you do that to your own son and how much he looks up to you and blah, blah, blah. And Philippe says that, you know, he provoked Matthew so that Diana would see the wolf behind the man which is interesting phrasing considering the prophecy from last season. Can you remind everybody about the prophecy from last season? Can I? Um, beware the witch with the blood of the lion and the wolf, for she will bring about the end of the children of the night, something like that. Uh, I thought you were going to have it like just fully committed to memory. No, no. I tried to rewatch a bit of season one before we recorded, but I couldn't. It didn't happen. I didn't have time. Okay. So that's interesting crazing. Yeah. So now, because we, we also questioned last season. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting that this could be a way to draw us back to that prophecy. Yeah. In, in a very subtle way. Uh, well, especially just before Philippe mentions a prophecy. But, but before we get to that, um, Philippe then also says, And I really love how many of these lines about Matthew that they kept from the book where Matthew has less faith than anybody, which Mm -hmm. I love somebody saying about someone who is so religious as Matthew, Mm -hmm. because it's true about him. He's always looking for answers, looking for why is he here? You know, he can't just accept it. And I I love that about Matthew. Mm -hmm. I feel like a Catholic scientist is the very definition of someone who just can't take faith or can't take things on faith. I can see that. Or like the type of scientist he is. Right. Because he needs to understand how everything works. Yeah. And how he spent the past like 100, 200 years of his life 
Well, more so because even Kit mentions that, you know, it's the same answers he's always been looking for. Mm -hmm. But very specifically the past 200 years, you know, looking for this book and trying to get genetic answers about why vampires are vampires and how they all got to be here. Yeah. Just a a bit of his character that I really like about Matthew. And I'm glad they kept it. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so Diana really calls Philippe out on all the shit that he makes Matthew do. And she says something about his legacy being one of pain or whatever. And then he says, who are you to lecture me on my legacy? And I'm like, dude, she's literally from the future. She has seen your legacy. (laughs) You are dead. She knows how people remember you. Yeah. Yeah, but I like her answer better than that. Her answer is so good. I I genuinely don't remember it. She just looks at him and says, I am worthy of your son. Oh, that, yes, yes, That's it. That's her answer. Who are you to do this thing? I am worthy of your son. That, like. Yes. Gosh, this Diana is so different from season one, Diana. This is, this is the Diana I wanted to talk about leading up from what she was saying to Matthew because she has no fear. She is pure power, pure confidence. She knows who she is, what she can do. Maybe not what she can do, but what she has the potential to do. Yes. And she does not back down. She just looks at Philippe with like almost a blank face. Mm-hmm. And she's regal and the way they film her, they film her a little bit from below. She looks tall and strong. And I just, I love everything about this scene. I do too. Yes. I, I really feel and the bit where like her power starts sparking and Philippe is like genuinely impressed, I guess is the word. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. And I really feel like even without the special effects, like they really nailed it with the acting and the music. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of iffy on the special effects there, but the acting and the music really pulled it all together and it just works really, really well how... All of the music in this yeah. episode just... It evoked every possible emotion they wanted me to feel. Yes. And the entire episode is fantastic. And, um, well, I don't actually agree about one bit, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> when Philippe has his line from the trailer, you know, you are power indeed. And I love that she just says, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. And I, but she, you go know, ahead. Well, just, I think that that's a real turning point for Diana about her accepting that, that, that she is powerful. Right. But she also immediately follows it up with, but I love your son and that should be enough. Yes. Because she recognizes, yeah, she recognizes who she is. Like it's that turning point. Absolutely. But the fact that she has power has nothing to do Mm -hmm. with her relationship and her love for Matthew. And she recognizes that as well. Yes. This whole scene is great. This this whole scene is fantastic. And we kind of skimmed over one of the important things about this the prophecy bit yeah um well so there's the prophecy bit but there's also just the idea that the reason that philippe tested and pushed matthew was for them right um i mean like diana is genuinely shocked that he he did this for them it was a it was a good thing from his perspective it was a good thing because he recognizes that in the future their union still must be forbidden or they wouldn't have come back to the past right and so for them to succeed both here in the past and when they go back to the future, they have to have the strongest possible bond, the strongest possible union. And they can't do that if they don't know the truth about each other, if they're not honest with each other. 
And so he was pushing that boundary to help test that bond. While I don't necessarily agree with his methods, I do agree with his interpretation of what's going on. And so for him to have decided to do that is the beginning of his acceptance of Diana. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that it shows that, you know, from the very beginning when they met him last episode, he knew exactly why Matthew hadn't Mm -hmm. fully mated Diana yet. You know, like his understanding of Matthew as a person. Yeah, Philippe, he he runs deep, Mm -hmm. right? He doesn't say a lot. But he observes and he understands what's happening around him. Yeah. And is able. I think this is part of what makes Philippe the man that he is, why he is the patriarch that he is over the entire vampire kind. Mm -hmm. Because he has this ability to just sit there and keep his mouth shut when he needs to. Right. And understand what's happening around him and understand. It's like a giant game of chess. And he's 50 moves ahead of everybody else. Yes, I I agree. Sorry, I was that last week I had a note about a chess game on his desk that I never got to. So that was interesting that you oh. said that. <laughs> um, yes, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Um, so it leads up to Diana Sparkling and Philippe tells us about another prophecy. And I had trouble hearing everything that he said here because I wasn't watch- listening with headphones. So I'm hoping you can tell me about this prophecy. Um, I heard that there's going to be a fearsome witch an who's going to change everything. <laughs> an ancient prophecy about a fearsome witch. And then I think he says the old world will die and the new be born. And then he said something in, at the end that I didn't catch. Okay. But the thing is, he says it so vaguely that it could be like a different interpretation of the same prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? You're right. Because, because I was struck by how similar fearsome witch is to our fierce witch which is what goody also right, said yes yes that's that's a good catch yeah so i th- i think it might be the same prophecy that they're talking about yes although part of this here is really showcases why i hate the changes that they've made to philippe most especially the one where in the modern day they talk about how philippe was the one who set up the covenant that interspecies mm-hmm. relationships are not allowed which mm-hmm. is Complete and utter bullshit. Philippe would never do that. So, especially after this. Like, he had 500 years where he could have worked with the congregation to get rid of that. Why? Anyway, I hate I hate that. <laughs> I just headcanon it away. Well. Because it's, it's not important to the story, and so I'm just like, eh. They just keep bringing it up, and I'm like, Philippe would never. Yeah. Then we come to one of my favorites scene i mean it's so hard to pick a favorite scene in this episode but this next one is so good first of all i just want to say this disheveled matthew is quite possibly the hottest he's ever been or will be <laughs> okay the scene is good but the hair everywhere and the look on his face and that's sh- it's just great he's wonderful here so he should you know have a fit of blood rage more often exactly yes um so this is clearly at some point after Diana and Philippe have had their confrontation and, you know, they're starting to settle down. Matthew and Diana are outside talking and Philippe comes to them, you know, kind of contrite almost. Yeah. And promises to not ask about his future ever again. And then he does this momentous thing and he chooses to make Diana a Claremont because he knows the weight that's going to carry in the world, in the world of creatures yes 
And there is such a potential for this scene to be cheesy as hell, but they Mm -hmm. made it work. They made it work, absolutely. I was wondering what they were going to do and what kind of special effects there were going to be, and there were none. They just played it straight. Yeah. And he says our family is made through blood, which is true because they're vampires, Mm -hmm. and so he puts a mark on her forehead in his blood to symbolize that she is forever a de Claremont, and it's beautiful. It was really well done. The mark on her forehead looked good. It was great. And the look on Matthew's face when he realizes that Philippe has accepted her. He has accepted their union. And he didn't even have to ask for it. Like, because he didn't want to ask for it. He doesn't want to ask Philippe for anything because of what he's had to deal with Mm -hmm. Philippe in the future. And so for Philippe to have figured this out, this is what they need and to do it. Like, all of that is on Matthew's face. It's just beautiful wonderful yes agreed 100 percent. and then it's followed so quickly by another great scene of acting by matthew good oh this is the one that makes me cry this was my most anticipated scene of the entire season i okay. really wanted to see how matthew was gonna tell diana that he was the one who oh, killed god Philippe. i'm thinking about it and i'm gonna tear up again <laughs> oh my when we talk about the last scene with isabel oh. reading the letter i'm probably gonna cry yeah. it's fine though yeah. I'm I'm just going to cry. Like from now to the end of the episode, I cried. Yeah. Like I st- like my husband was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> no, just leave me alone. <laughs> um some of it's happy tears, some of it's sad tears. This this scene absolutely sad. Like it broke my heart so yeah. much, but I'll let you go ahead and tell it. Well, just so then, you know, Diana or Matthew is reminiscing about how Philippe died and Diana says, "Well, maybe if you, you know, told me what would happen, you could get past the memories and leave them here. Mm-hmm. And so then they he does. have the best. It's so good. Like Matthew is just whispering to her and you can tell that he could never do this in more than a whisper, you know? Mm-mm. And he talks about how Philippe was captured by the Nazis and that they hadn't captured a vampire before. So they were eager to experiment on him. And he was basically tortured by witches for three months. And... They um, broke him. And they broke him, yeah. And it's so good. And throughout the not it's not good that Philippe was tortured. You know what I'm saying? The acting. The storytelling, Matthew <laughs> yeah. telling the story, yeah. And whenever you see Matthew, he's like kind of twitchy and touching Diana mm-hmm. in a in a weird and he keeps moving his hand around, like cause he just can't be still. And it's it's fabulous how he does it. And honestly, if you haven't watched this episode with with headphones, with some good quality headphones, highly recommend because the nuances in his acting here are amazing. I don't know if I can handle it, honestly, because <laughs> I sob so hard already. That's fair. It's so good. And then, of course, we learn that when they that Baldwin and Matthew rescued Philippe, but his his mind was broken from you know three months of torture. And he begged Isabeau to kill him, but Matthew couldn't let Isabeau live with that, so he killed Philippe. And he tells the story about, because we learned in season one that when vampires drink blood, they get memories and feelings of the person they're drinking the blood from. And so that happened with Philippe as he was draining him. And those memories that he saw of what he went through, um, he said they were like jagged glass. Yeah. And... And the line that gets me is is Matthew breaks. Like, he breaks down and yeah. he tells Diana that Philippe was broken and he was frightened. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm going to cry again. It's just... Oh, it, it is 
the single most emotional moment of this entire series to yes. date. I, I would and, say going for yeah, it still is. Yeah, and Matthew Good just breaks down in the moment. Like, I wonder if they did this in one take, if they had to do more than one take. I don't know how he could have possibly done this more than once. Well, actors are professionals. I mean, maybe not Matthew Good and Teresa Palmer from what I've seen from interviews, but most, most actors. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. um, well, and Diana's reaction Oh, yeah, to him, she's great. Like, tears are streaming down her face. Yeah. And she tries her best to absolve him. You know, she, she tells him that he didn't kill Philippe. He released him. I, and I, again, I just love how they don't let go of each other during this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's amazing. The lighting is great. The, I, I don't even remember music in this scene. Like, there might have been music, but it's far. I don't know. There was. Um, it would have been too quiet and too hard, I think, to deal with without music. But the music wasn't the focus. Yeah. It was just, it was just there to kind of keep things steady but it was it was a tough tough scene to watch Mm -hmm. it's a tough scene to recap goodness (laughs) um so i think it's a great moment for the show to take us back to the present day yeah and we cut to the witches and isabeau uh and mart looking through the books for a message and one small detail in this scene that i really like is how it's clear that the warm bloods are fucking freezing in this large Mm -hmm. castle in the middle of winter because they're like wearing hats and knit and just like many layers and then Isabeau is just sitting there in a nice light dress with short sleeves yeah yeah they've been doing that a lot Um, every time we see Em and Sarah they're just bundled up it's a it's a small detail but I I really like it yeah and then we have this nice scene between Isabeau and Mart and I didn't write down anything of what they said other than I like the two of them together Isabeau says the prospect of one last message from Philippe is almost too much to bear, which is why she's still up looking. It's been hours. Sarah and Em had to go to sleep because, you know, they're warm bloods and we need sleep. Yeah. And Isabeau can't stop. She needs to find this message if it exists. Mm -hmm. Which I do like that, how that happens. And I'm kind of glad the witches go to sleep and she finds the message on her own. Yeah. Later. I, I like that she got privacy with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then we're we're back in the 1590s, and the black horses are with us again as Philippe, Matthew, and Diana head towards a temple in the middle of the woods. Mm-hmm. And oh, on the way there, this is one of the the first of two instances in this episode where somebody says something to somebody else as though a third person cannot hear them, but they're vampires, so everybody knows they can hear them. And I really <laughs> love that. <laughs> I didn't think about this in this scene. I thought about it in the next one. Yeah. But in this one, I didn't think about it. But that's fantastic. You're I, right. I love saying, or Philippe saying to Diana that, no, Matthew would just lie to me. And Matthew back there being like, I wouldn't. Or at least that's how I picture it. Oh, but he absolutely would. 100%. Yeah. Um. So then we get to the temple and we learn, surprise, there's going to be a wedding. Yep. <laughs> Everybody's surprised. Diana and Matthew are like, what? Yeah. In three days' time, you two will be married. And they're like, um, nobody checked in with us, but yeah. sure. Uh, and I can't I can't watch this scene without thinking about the story that Teresa and Matthew told during the NYCC panel about how they were barely keeping it together. And there's this one close-up of Diana where you can see that she is, like, fighting down laughter. And I don't remember this story. 
it's, I guess somebody had asked them a question about the hijinks or whatever I'd said, or I don't remember the question, but Matthew and, and Teresa just talked about how they, they literally had to take a break from the scene because they were laughing so hard. What was making them laugh? Well, the pillars are foam, right? Because they're not real. Oh. So they were like, <laughs> these ancient stone pillars were waving in the wind. Oh. And apparently, because there's all that fog around, so somebody was blowing the fog around with a, a smoke machine and maybe holding it at a certain level that it looked like something else. And <laughs> um, and then uh, they were saying that James Porfoy was very professional, but was also having to say all these things in Greek and that somebody had to hold up like a head or something for them to look at the deer. And it was... And okay. apparently they just couldn't keep a straight face. And so the reality can, of the yeah. scene versus what we saw. Yeah. And okay. I just can't think of anything else during this scene. Okay. I did not remember any of that. Um, I was remembering stuff that happened in the book, but the scene is interesting, you know, and it, it's... It feels almost like a throwaway scene other than to let us know that Philippe has arranged the wedding. Yeah. You know, and he, he brings he brings them here because this is in his time, however many millennia ago it was when he was younger, um, brides would come there to ask for protection. So he wants to do the same ritual for Diana, who's going to be a bride. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do the ritual. Magic happens. The wind blows. A white stag appears. Um, it's important to know that Philippe does mention this is a temple to Diana, the goddess Artemis. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that's interesting. And I think, well, this is quick here, but I think in the book, the unnamed goddess that Diana is sometimes talking to mm-hmm. is heavily implied to be Artemis. Mm-hmm. Slash because, Diana. Yeah. Um, I was going to say this in our, in the book section, oh, but okay. I believe that they actually, the goddess speaks to her here. It's not just. Mm-mm. A white stag appears. No, I, I just read read through it last night. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Just a well, white stag mind. appears. It is like Matthew's not there. Yeah. But other than that, I, I don't think so. Well, either way, Philippe has accepted Diana. The goddess has accepted Diana. All that's left is for Matthew to officially accept Diana and for the two of them to become officially engaged because just because Philippe says it doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. I love that. I love that so much. That little exchange between the two of them where Matthew's like, we don't have to do what he says. Right? Oh. And, you know, Diana's like, well, what if I want to? It's really cute. Yeah. And he actually, he's he asks her, will you be my wife? And it's so cute. I just, the, the rest of the episode is just like adorable, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the sad stuff is is gone all the rest of the tears in this episode are happy tears and you know there were tears and then um we cut to a scene with matthew getting ready for the wedding and i love this scene so much um i love that philippe you know has this gift for him i love that he tells this story and i love that you can see like we've gotten so much of this antagonism between the two of them so i'm so glad they gave us this little moment where you can see their connection and affection for one another mm-hmm. and also the vampire wars what's that i want to know more can we have a story about that please <laughs> right that sounds good and then and then philippe leaves the room and matthew like walks after him a little bit like no 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 don't go not yet and it's so heartbreaking and beautiful and i love it so much yeah yeah but then but then we get the moment that I have been waiting for. The guy standing on the roof with season. the bell? Okay, no, not that moment. I skipped that moment. <laughs> no, okay. I have just, I just want to 
put ourselves into the mindset of this dude. You show up for work. You know, you're an actor. You get into the most ridiculous time period outfit. You're given the weirdest looking bell on a stick contraption. And then you're told to go stand on a roof and ring it. What a day at work, man. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Oh, I love this dude. You're right. That's why I skipped it. I skipped it because it's just a dude ringing a bell on a roof. But then Diana comes out. And this is it. This is that moment from the trailer, Mm -hmm. the dress, the collar. They open the door. Her eyes are closed. They open. It's amazing. It was so well shot. The sun shining down on her right there. It's so good. Yes. Yes. No, no. It's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Like, I didn't, it never occurred to me that that moment was from the wedding. Like, watching in the trailer. Oh, that's probably should have. I probably should have assumed it, but I didn't. Um, it's oh, it's amazing. Matthew's face when he sees yes, her. so good. Like, everything about this wedding is perfect, including that their wedding took like two minutes. Yeah. Um, these vows are the, the quickest vows ever, but they're amazing. Mm-hmm. I give my body to you and I receive it. They're interactive. It's great. It's wonderful. That's interesting, yeah. Um, and I love, like we can talk about Diana's whole outfit also, but I really love Matthew's shirt, tunic I do thingy. too. The embroidery on it is so beautiful. Like, Diana's mm-hmm. dress is fine, but it's uh, the whole Elizabethan style of dress isn't really my thing. But Matthew's shirt is so good. I want it for me. <laughs> yeah, Diana's dress as a whole is kind of lackluster, but that lacy collar thing is everything. The lacy collar is nice, and I like her hair more once she takes the peacock thing off, so it's at the back as opposed to on the side there. Mm-hmm. But also you can tell that the hair sprayed the shit out of that because that hair does not move. Um, I, it, she, she, she looks great. It, the dress is just not really my style. The color and the fabric is beautiful, but I just mean the overall. Mm-hmm. I was kind of sad that we didn't get to see her getting ready. Like, I know they wanted to go for the big reveal, but I don't know. I guess I kind of just wanted to. I don't even know what that scene would have been or if it would have been any good. Eh. Yeah, I, I think it was more important to have the scene with Matthew and Philippe. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. You're right. And I do love when she steps out and, and Matthew looks up at her. It, it's it's another bit of really good face acting, but in a happy mm-hmm. way, which is rare for Matthew. Right? Like so many emotions pass across his face. Mm-hmm. like, And you can just see every single one of them. It's great. And then we get dancing. And okay, so I love dancing with Philippe and how <laughs> they try to give us an explanation for how Isabeau is never going to know about this, but I don't buy it at all. It's bullshit. Whatever. I think that's something you just gotta gotta hand wave away. I mean, I buy it because I read the books. <laughs> In the books, it's so much worse though. Like they have three days of partying with them, and it's like the whole village knows that there was a wedding and everything, and it makes even less sense in the books. But I mean, I think that's why I buy this one because oh, it's gotcha. so much more downplayed, and we saw that you know we saw it successfully happen. Yeah. In the books, so you know, I buy it. Whatever. That's fair. But I, I'm glad they called it out. Yes. Um, you know, this Isabeau of this time is going to come back. And clearly the Isabeau from the future did not know Diana. So there's some shenanigans that have to happen. So I'm glad they explicitly talked about it. I am glad that they did address it. Yes. Even if it's a little hand wavy, at least they were like, mm-hmm. th- at least there was something. Yeah. Um, and while, while they're dancing, they do this quick shot of Matthew walking by in the background that I also think is great, just the way that he's looking at Diana. 
fabulous. Mm-hmm. And then they dance. Yeah. Matthew and Matthew and Diana dance, and we get the second. Yeah. Of people saying something that they don't expect the vampires to hear, but of course the vampires hear it. I think it's not that they don't expect them. They say it as if they don't think they'll hear it. But I think, like, Diana knows when we hear right. her say that. Yeah. It's, I, I love it. I smiled through this whole scene. Like, I can't help it. Mm-hmm. From beginning to end, the dancing, the conversations, Philippe calls her daughter yes. for, for the first time. Like, there's nothing in this scene that doesn't make me smile. But, sorry, just because just I actually read my whole note on it here, so I just want to go back to it for a sec. When... When Diana does say, you know, don't tell Philippe, but you're a much better dancer, I like it because she, I know that she knows Philippe can hear, and it just seems like she's teasing him, you know, like like they are mm-hmm. family, and yeah. that's why I like it so much. Oh, I like that interpretation. Yeah. And then um, we have this song that's playing. So the, the instrumental bit is part of the same song that turns into a not instrumental bit when we get to the, the sex scene. Um, and I... I love the instrumental bit, but I hate that they transitioned into uh, vocals because I it just completely brings me out of it. And Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, it's the one thing about this scene that I really didn't like. Um, hang on. I'll tell you why I love it. There's a particular lyric that comes up over and over. The name of the song is um, Time in a Bottle, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is a cover of Time in a Bottle. This is sung by Julia church yes and it was recorded specifically for the show as because you know you got the instrumental bit in there too the original's mm-hmm. by jim cross croaky mm-hmm. crossy I, I would say cross but i have no idea yeah, i don't know either it's a nice um, song so so yeah rob lane did this arrangement and he composed the orchestral bit at the mm-hmm. beginning and i think he, the song ends with you're the one i want to go through time with yeah. And I just feel like it embodies their entire relationship, and that's why I like it. So it totally worked for me. It didn't take me out because I've become accustomed to these large moments in 1590 being accompanied by a modern song. But they haven't been. They've kept. They've mostly kept the modern songs to the credits or the, they the next start. Songs. Yeah, but, but they start at the end. Like, right before you get to the previous Elon, like, it leads you in, but it kind of starts before you get to the very end. And so it just, it worked for me. I guess. I guess I can see your point. It just, it didn't work for me as well. But we finally get Matthew and Diana together. Yay, sex. Yay, sex. (laughs) (laughs) It's a relatively quick scene. I mean, because it's not the point. It's just, this is, it's their wedding night. So we, we do get a bit of the wedding night. And then we cut to oh, afterwards. I, I have some notes on that scene, though. Oh, One you have some here. notes. Yes. Okay. So first of all, I mean, I think they forgot to give Diana the scars on her back. And then they have like a scene where you're just very much looking at her back. And I'm like, well, that kind of bugs me. Oh, didn't even notice. They do put Matthew's hand like right there. But I feel like that's because they realized they didn't give her her scars. But anyways, and then throughout the rest of the scene, like... I really, like, it's very clear, I feel, that Teresa was breastfeeding because her boobs are just, like, the star of the show. <laughs> I noticed in one place um, when she was laying on her back yeah. and they it was of her face, but you could kind of see the beginnings of the swell. And, <laughs> yeah, but I didn't, I honestly didn't notice. Maybe it's... I was just like, oh, they're finally together, and they look so happy. They did look very happy, and maybe I notice it because there's a scene in a later episode where I also feel like her boobs are the star of the show, but mm-hmm. it's... 
I found myself thinking about how actors film sex scenes because I was watching the expressions on their face and they're so believable as these two people are in love and are experiencing each other for the first time and are finally feeling whole in their relationship. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. And so I wasn't noticing other details because I was paying attention to the expressions on their face and wondering, like, what was actually happening on the set? Like, what were they dealing with while trying to keep those faces? Yeah. Because, you know, they're being watched by so many people. Yeah, it must be the weirdest thing. Like, I can't imagine it. Oh, there's no way. I If, if I was an actor, there's no way I could do that. Yeah. But they they did it very well. Again, more face acting. Yeah, very good. Um, so yeah, then we cut to Matthew has gone to a church. Is that where he's at? Or is he just sitting? Yeah, I think that's the church where he, you know, died. Oh, yeah, that's right. I I thought it was a church and he's holding a toy that he carved for Lucas. And so it would be the church where Blanca and Lucas are buried also. So yeah, yeah. And so then they have this whole conversation about family. Diana's sorry, she can't give him children that she can't give him a family. And this is the first time they've spoken about the idea that Diana's only going to be around for 60 or 70 years and Matthew's still probably going to have millennia. So I have a question for you about this scene. Okay. Do you think Diana is kidding herself that Matthew will live on after her? Yes. Yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way, especially after he's made it, there's no way he's going to live well, for a long, long time. I We do see... Well, so far we've seen two people who have lived past the death of their mates, and that's Isabeau and Miriam, which are both women, so that's interesting. And But I just don't think Matthew, I don't get the feeling for Matthew. And, well, that's, well, I won't, that's not important. Um, <laughs> I was going to bring up a book thing. But even just from the look on Matthew's face after she says that, I think Diana's fooling herself. Yeah. Um, but I do love that we get Matthew talking about Lucas and thinking about Lucas here. And mm-hmm. it's it's a nice little scene that, again, shows there just a nice little, like, a relationship scene between them. And I like that they yeah. gave them the time for it. And this is another instance where they mentioned Jack as a child mm-hmm. of the two of them and Matthew of a, being a parent, being a father. This one I bought a lot more than the other one because I like how Matthew says that Lucas sort of gave him a purpose and then mm-hmm. diana says i've seen a glimpse of that with jack and that felt truer to me than them just saying hey we're parents now yeah yeah that's fair and then we cut to the next day they're actually finally getting ready to leave sator to go to bohemia all i can see in this scene is diana's outfit i love it it's so good and i love that she's given up any pretense of wearing like even half skirt thing that she was before she's just like no i'm in tights now bitches yep she's like i'm gonna be comfortable this is what i do now yeah and I feel like the jacket that she's wearing is made out of the dress that she was wearing before. It, yeah. It just looked so similar to me. It is. definitely Like the, the upper half is the upper mm-hmm. half of one of her dress outfits. Yeah. I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then we get a little bit of progressive feminism from Philippe, right? He gives her money and says, in this family, the women manage their own finances. Which is because nice and this, all, but, like, Philippe still gives her the money, so. Well, I mean, in this time period, though, women don't have money. They rely on their men to have it. And how – she's from the future. She doesn't have a way to get it, right? I guess, I guess. So I get what you're saying, but I love the idea that he just gives it to her and says, this is yours now. Do what you need to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a great 
that was a great moment from the book as well. Yeah. Um, and then I mean, I'm pretty sure again, in the book she almost immediately spent it all on a rat trap, which is fucking fabulous. But <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, he acknowledges again that Isabeau's ring is a message to him that Isabeau approves of their union. And so in turn, he gives her uh, his own necklace. I couldn't see, like, I saw that it was a necklace, but I couldn't see what the pendant was or if it was just like a knot. Like, I have no idea. I'm going to assume that it's an arrow. Oh. Because it's an arrow in the book. I have no memory of that. And I literally just read it. So great. Yeah. Um, He says it's to keep him with her always and she will always be with him, his daughter. And I'm not crying. You're crying. They cut out my favorite line from the book here. So I was actually a little disappointed with this. Oh, okay. You can tell me about it when we get to the book part. Yeah. So then they write out. Philippe decides that he will ride with them at least to the edge of the estate. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get this incredibly moving moment between Philippe and Matthew um, where he tells Matthew that he has found a woman worthy of him, but also that he is equally worthy yes. of Diana. He tells him, stop regretting your life, start living it. And then he tells him that whatever happened between them in the future, Philippe forgives him for it. This, and I I'm feel, just crying again at this point. Yeah, I feel like this is the epitome of Matthew's face acting here because almost nothing changes on his face, but everything changes on his face. Mm-hmm. He just immediately gets lighter. Yeah. And like you, you can, can see this burden that he's been carrying for 70 years. Yeah. That got worse when he came back to the past and had to face Philippe again. It just in that moment was released. And um, and you can see the tears in his eyes. Like his eyes are like actually shining with unshed mm-hmm. tears, which I don't know how you do that. Like as an actor, how you make that happen. I don't know, but it's so good. I don't know. Maybe he was like holding something in his hand that like poked his yeah, palms to make like, it hurt. I, how do you do it without actually crying? Like it's such a choice and it's so good. And yeah. I love every minute of it. I could watch Matthew and Philippe act together. Like I, I could have a whole another episode with just the two of them. I'd be happy. Yeah. Yeah. But then. Yeah. <laughs> but then. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry again talking about this scene, too. Um. Matthew and Diana leave and, um, you know, we we linger on Philippe's face for a moment as he's watching them leave. And then instead of going with Matthew and Diana, we follow Philippe as he goes back home and he sits down at his desk and he finally has the words to write to Isabeau. And so we get another scene just like that one at the beginning Mm -hmm. where it cuts back and forth between the two of them. And um, in real time, it seems like in real time as he's writing it, she's discovering it. It's such a good and choice. His, yeah, and, and his he's reading it, like the voiceover, and Lindsay Duncan's face here, as more face acting, right? Lindsay yeah. Duncan's face is just amazing. As she finds it, like the look on her face of like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. amazement, shock, heartbrokenness, but also joy. It's just, it's all there. And I love and, that we go from this scene of Matthew getting closure about Philippe, like straight to Isabeau getting closure Mm -hmm. about Philippe and how Diana and Matthew, I'm literally on the verge of tears here. Yeah, Uh, I know, I know. (laughs) I'm traveling back to 1590, did that for her too. Mm -hmm. And even in a way for Philippe because it gave him a chance to come to terms with it before it happens. Yeah. And it's 
it's just, it all comes together so well. And it, mm-hmm. I love it so much. Yeah, I cry every time. Like like big, fat, ugly tears oh, yeah. every time. Um, it's just so good. And he ends it with um, that, that one day he knows that he's going to leave her and mm-hmm. she's going to be alone. But he says, but until then, as in the afterlife, I will hold you in my heart. And then they close in on Lindsay Duncan's face. Tears are streaming down her face, but she's smiling. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just so good. My heart is just like overflowing in this moment. I'm going to cry again. It's so good. Yeah. It's it's really good. And it gives Isabeau like this good place to move forward from. Yeah. And I love that. Absolutely. Um, and it also sets up, I think, some wonder in the present storyline moving forward, particularly between Isabeau, Sarah, and M. Like, I hope we get to see the scene where Isabeau shares parts of the message with them. No. Tells them that I found the message. They're okay. Things are going well. Do we not get to see that? Not at all. Oh, that's Which, so disappointing. Honestly, I kind of like. I kind of like that it was just a message for Isabeau. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. That's the whole episode. <laughs> it was a rough ride. It was an emotional ride. I started crying about halfway through and didn't stop until the end. Um, and, and the emotions were just back and forth, sobbing out of sadness, sobbing out of joy. Just There's just a lot going on in this episode. Um, I have some thoughts about the book and the adaptation. So before we jump into that, do we have anything else to say before we send folks away who don't want spoilers? I don't think so. Okay. Well, if you don't want spoilers, we will see you next week. If you do want spoilers, stick around. Okay, so I am frustrated Mm -hmm. that they spent so much time on episode five when they could have given us half of that and expanded episode six. Yeah. Because the relationship between Philippe and Diana in the book is so good. Mm -hmm. It's built up so wonderfully. And we don't get that. Like, we get the aftermath of it. We get the idea that they have built a bond because of the way that he sends her off, but we don't actually get to see their relationship built. And there was time between the two episodes to do it if they hadn't given us so much useless crap in episode five. No, I agree. They could have cut way down on the journey. And I feel like they wanted to end episode five on the, I don't know about cliffhanger, but the like sort of stinger, I guess, of um, Diana killing the dude. And then they what's the word they sort of crafted episode five around that which i don't know i don't like that i think it's a bad choice yeah i feel like i feel like this is the type of show where you're gonna watch it or you're not you're not gonna draw in people from Mm -hmm. for having a cliffhangery ending you know like Mm -hmm. which is really the only reason to specifically do that in a tv show is to make sure people come back next week um but Philippe is yeah. such a large part of the book. Yeah. And he only gets an episode and a half. Yeah. I I do wish that they had maybe ended the first episode even just a little bit later. Like even just him coming to terms with the fact that he's going to die, like kind of ended there. And then that mm-hmm. just gives us even five more minutes, which you can do yeah. a lot in TV with five minutes. Mm-hmm. So... I, I agree with you. I wish we'd gotten more of Philippe and Diana. 
Yeah. That, I mean, that's that's my biggest frustration. I love the episode, hands down. Like, I, I didn't like five, love six, and they did it well. They evoked so much emotion for me, but I wanted more. Yeah. So the bit where Philippe and Diana say goodbye, and I said I was disappointed because they cut up my favorite line, I, of course, did not write it down, so I don't have it in front of me. But when they say goodbye in the book, Diana promises Philippe that she will be with him in the darkness. You know, that she will be there holding his hand. And oh, yeah. I cry every time I read it, and it's – I'm crying thinking about it. Oh, I forgot yes. about that. I, I hate that they cut that out. I hate it. Yeah. Like, I get why they cut it out. The books never show Diana doing anything about that. You're mm-hmm. just sort of – I guess we're just supposed to assume that she does. Mm-hmm. So I get what they were thinking there because they're not going to be able to come th- follow through with it. Right. But I because we're not gonna see that we're not gonna see those scenes. So. Yeah, but the, it's so good because, like, I just I love that scene and I love because in book three, obviously, basically the exact same thing happens to Matthew, not for as long as it did to Philippe, and I I love the parallels that 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 draws and I love any focus on that and blah blah blah. Anyways, it's my favorite line from the book and I hate that they cut it. Yeah, and then wow, this episode is just full of things that make us cry. Yeah. Or not full of things that make us cry. <laughs> yeah. So then they cut a bunch – well, I must say cut, but they changed – okay, first of all, along the same lines of that line, they cut out Philippe figuring out that Matthew's the one who kills him. Uh, and in the book, Philippe thinks it's because of blood rage. And he still forgives him for it. You know, he doesn't just say, you know, whatever you do in the future, whatever it is, I forgive you. In the book, mm-hmm. he says, I know you're the one who kills me, and I forgive you. And I think that that would have been so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. And I wish they had done that. Because what Philippe figures happens is worse than what actually happens, you know? He thinks Matthew literally murders him in a blood rage, and he still forgives him for it. Yeah. And I think that would have meant a lot more to Matthew to have him actually say that. Yeah. I agree with you there. And then... Um, so, yeah, obviously they cut out any mention of the pregnancy storyline here. Yeah, I mean, that's been an ongoing thread yeah. I, from the beginning. I, I dislike it specifically here. Like, I get that that's, that they're going to go for the big reveal, you know, which is fine. It's a choice. But it really changes who Philippe is, I feel like, having him not know that it's possible. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, because Philippe is thousands of years old. He's seen everything. And in the book, he talks about, you know, even completely different types of creatures existing mm-hmm. when he was younger. Um, like creatures that could wield lightning and all this sort of stuff. And he also says swim in the ocean. I, get, I think he means live in the ocean because, I mean, I can swim in the ocean, but. <laughs> right. But all these things. And I just, I feel like we get a lot of of Philippe as a patriarch, but not him as a mythological being, basically. Right. So I have a memory, and I don't know if this happened while they were at Sator in book two, or if this is a flashback of Isabeau talking about Philippe in book three. Mm -hmm. Um, Philippe is aware that there has previously been a child born of a witch and a vampire. Yes, he is. He's literally held that child. Right. So was that part of the storyline in book two, or is that something we find out later? You've made me doubt myself now. I think it is Isabeau telling somebody about it, 
but okay. I honestly don't remember if it's in book three or if it's like in one of the modern day bits in book two. I, if it is Isabeau, I think it's going to have to be in book three because in book two in the present day, there's not much present day in book two and they would have no idea that the pregnancy is possible. Yeah. Other than Mart, who did the contraceptive in the book. Yeah. Well, no, that well, in the books, at the end of book one, they all sort of figure out that that's what a page in the book of life means. And so Matthew and Diana are fully aware or that it's a possibility, at least, hmm. which I like better. But I'll I'll talk about that more when it comes up in the show. OK, I'm looking forward to it coming up in the show because, I mean, it's been radio silence so far and it's such a large part of the story. Yeah, it doesn't it does not happen for a while. Well, there's only four episodes left. Yeah, well, it doesn't happen until episode nine. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <sighs> All right, we'll get there. And another thing that, again, I guess just more to how they've changed Philippe from being like this big mythological um, creature, ancientness, whatever. Um, in the book, when he's when they're at the temple, he calls himself, oh, God, I can't pronounce Greek things. He calls himself Alcides Leontothemis, sure, which is another name for Hercules. Oh, okay. Uh, Alcides I, I didn't was remember that. Heracles' birth name. And, I, and it's just this little, like, throwaway bit. But I love this idea that, that Deborah Harkness put it in there as just like a, well, if you want to do some research on that, you'll know who I think of Philippe as being, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm as being this ancient hero who's been around for millennia and, and also that like all these ancient mythological stories that we have have a root in you know creatures being or humans right. telling stories about creatures i like that a lot and i mm-hmm. i dislike that the show took it out because it's never even addressed in the books it's just this throwaway like easter egg almost and i yeah. feel like the show could have kept that in yeah they They've changed Philippe enough that he doesn't feel larger than life in the show. Yeah. Like, we see him as he affects Matthew, and to an extent, some of the Declaremonts, but not the world at large, other than, you know, Gerbert having this own vengeance thing that we barely see any of in season two. Yeah. You know, and so they, they made Philippe smaller than he is. And I think that's what bothers me about it, because when I think of Discovery of Witches, I think about Matthew and Diana, but then I think about Philippe. Like, he's such a large part of book two, and he's not. And without he's actually not in that much of book two, but he is such a large part of it. Right. Like, he drives so much of what they do. Yeah. And 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 into book three. He's a huge part of book three, too. mm Mm-hmm. They can still do some of that really well, so we'll see. But, yeah, I wish that they hadn't made him smaller. And, and yeah, I agree with you on that. But I still love him. Oh, yeah, no. evidenced by this episode. Yeah, Philippe is my – I don't know if I would say Philippe is my favorite character. It's difficult for me to say that because I love all the characters a lot. But I he's – I don't know. He's up there. I like him better than basically. I love how he affects the other characters. Like you throw Philippe mm-hmm. into a situation and shit's going to hit the fan one way or another, you know? Yeah. And I like that about him. So, and I think I, I was in no way disappointed with James Purfoy's portrayal. No, not at all. So I think I can say 
up until now, he is my favorite character. Um, my favorite character from the books has not had screen time worthy of noticing, really. So I'm hoping that some of what I love about that character happens in later episodes. We'll see. Are you talking about Galaglass? Yes. Oh, okay. I, I suspect that most of what I love about Galaglass really comes from book three. Mm. And it's just in my head. It's just Galaglass is Galaglass. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We get we get more Galaglass next episode. Oh, good. Good, good. I saw him in the, the next on, and I was like, yay, we're going to meet the crazy emperor. All right. So we would love to know what you think of season two so far. You can tweet us at Desire Made Real. And something that we've been forgetting to mention is you can email us at DesireMadeRealPod at gmail.com. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me and find my other shows on Twitter at InferiorCaitlin. I am Mandy Kay, and you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows at eloquentgushing.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eloquentgushing, or you can just come gush with me on Twitter at Mandy Kay. Join us next week as we talk about episode seven when we actually get back to the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, We don't need no plot. Yeah. Uh, So until we meet again, remember that with every ending, there is a new beginning. Oh my god, I was pissed Philippe didn't say in this episode. I know. I God, they set it up. He could have said it. Mm-hmm. He didn't say it. Sorry, I got attacked by tea. Attacked by tea. (laughs) That's genuinely how I think I'm going to die. I'm going to choke on tea someday. Oh. (laughs) Just because it happens to me all the time. I forget what I was going to say. Shit. Oh, I was going to make a joke, but then you moved on. That's what it was. Never mind. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's just you said you had a few thoughts about the episode. I was like, I hope so. We're doing a podcast. Oh. (laughs)